you allow him to turn the corner, mama, there goes that man. Puts up the shot. It's good. Kyrie Irving. Oh, if you don't like that, you don't like NBA basketball. Oh, boy. Welcome, everyone, to the First Pick Podcast, your source for NBA news-related content. Thanks for listening. Welcome, everyone, to a First Pick Podcast episode. Today, we're doing another team review. Thank you guys so much for showing support on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Thank you guys so much. I really do appreciate it. It shows you guys are really tuning in. You guys, you know, it's a show for NBA nerds, for NBA junkies, and you guys are really showing support to it, so I really do appreciate it. Make sure to check out, you know, the socials, the Instagram, at the underscore First Pick Pod. Check out the Twitter Still going to call it Twitter, by the way. Check out the Twitter. It's capital T and F, so TF, and then first pick pod. So you spell out the rest of that. If you can't find the Twitter, head over to the Instagram. Click the link tree in the bio, and then you kind of should just head over to the Twitter over there. Hit us with a follow over there. Thank you guys so much for the support. I can't just, you know, say that enough. I really do appreciate you guys. I see, you know, the views that are coming in and stuff like that. It's it's small growth, but a little by little. Without further ado, let's just get into, you know, the Cleveland Cavaliers and what I think their ceiling is, what I think their floor is. I think they had a pretty interesting offseason. Last year, they finished second in their division, the Central Division. They were the fourth seed, you know, first year Donovan Mitchell, Darius Garland together. And then they lost in the first round in five to the New York Knicks, a team that, you know, was kind of a surprise for people to win, you know, just off the paper, you know, everything that you see from the Cleveland Cavaliers, you think that they kind of have everything together and, you know, it, it could be a really good team, but, you know, it, it's not really looking like they had a good roster once you, like, kind of look back at it. But I think they did a lot of moves. I think they did the right ones. That's something I really want to get across. So I think you can't start a Cleveland Cavaliers season preview episode without talking about their dynamic duo in Darius Garland, Donovan Mitchell. Now, Darius Garland, Donovan Mitchell, they're probably one of my favorite backcourts in the NBA. Donovan Mitchell, multi-time All-Star. He's coming off a year where he's just been tremendous. He literally is coming off of 28 points per game, four rebounds, four assists, shooting almost 50% from the field. You can't really ask for much else from your you know, star player. I do think it was a great win now move for you know, Cleveland to get a guy like Mitchell admit his interest in joining the Knicks a couple years ago. You know, you kind of try to sell him on, you know, being the guy in Cleveland. I really do like the fit. Now, the only thing I kind of do worry about Donovan Mitchell is his height, you know, and especially next to a guy like Darius Garland, who we're going to talk about in a bit. But besides that, I mean, he's a strong guard, drives. He's not scared of contact. I really do like this. And then Darius Garland, you know, he was coming off an all-star year at the beginning when they first got him. And he had somewhat of a good year. I mean, 21 points, 8 assists, 46% from the field. You can't really ask for anything better from your starting point guard. He had a bit of health concerns. But, I mean, he kind of had a similar year to when he was an all-star. Assists died down a bit. He did shoot better from three, though. He was a 41% three-point shooter. Around the same, literally identical from the field. And then free throw did drop down a bit. But his turnovers went down and his assists kind of went down but it, it's okay because it it kind of balances each other out what am I looking for in this Cleveland team you need 
your talent to develop. So a guy I'm looking at that's going to be a real key contributor to them next year if they want to take that next step is definitely Evan Mobley. He's coming off 16 and 9, multiple blocks, I want to say. He's coming off, let me get that fact check for you guys. He's coming off 1.5 blocks per game, almost all 82 games played. He's played 79, 16. He did only shoot, however, 21% from three. I think that's the real, you know, can Evan Mobley be that next step? Him being able to knock down an outside shot is the difference maker between him averaging 20 and averaging 27. Just because it opens up the floor that much for Cleveland. They already have Jared Allen, who's not a floor spacer. So if they can get a little shooting out of Evan Mobley, which I do think is very possible, I think that the sky's the limit for this team. Now, they did a bunch of moves, which we're going to talk about their transactions here. And I think they had, you know, as I mentioned, they had a lot of real good, you know, around the edges signing. They re-signed Karis LeVert on a two-year $32 million contract. Do I think that's a little a little much? Maybe. But, I mean, he's coming off a pretty decent year. He's coming off 12, 4, and 4, 43% from the field. Let me look at his three-point percentage just to make sure. Uh, He shot 39% from the three, 1.7 a game. That's actually pretty good for a guy like LeVert, who for his whole career has kind of been a sub-30% three-point shooter. So he actually had a pretty good year shooting the ball. Now, with that being said, I feel like it looks like he's been taking a lot more threes. He took 4.4. That's the most he's taken since his days in Indiana, which is good. I do just think his field goal percentage is something you got to worry about. But, you know, re-signing a guy like him under the CBA, you never know. Maybe that contract is, you know, valuable in some other shape or form to someone. And I do think that he can really be a vital piece for them coming off the bench. Now, a Something I do want to talk about when it comes to Cleveland is I want to talk about their wings, and I feel like they really did address that this offseason. They got Georges Niang on a three-year, $26 million deal. They did a sign-and-trade for Max Strutz from the Miami Heat, fresh off a finals run. Did he do good in the finals run? Yes, but literally right until they got into the finals. I do, however, think they did sign him to a pretty massive deal. Four years, $63 million. It was a sign and trade, and I'm pretty sure all they sent out was draft capital to Miami. I do think that Max Strews is a tremendous talent. I think he is a great in-season player. He can play your wing. My ideal scenario for them is that Isaac Okoro would be able to, you know, really solidify himself in that third small forward role. I just think that his offensive, like, lack of, offense for better yet to say is something that's really concerning just because you know i think he's headed into year four he could be up for an extension how much are you paying a guy whose ceiling is kind of like matisse Thybul? that's a real question you gotta ask yourself as an organization but besides that max shoes provides tremendous spacing for them especially when you don't know about the shooting of evan mobley and jared allen a guy like Max Schutz in the regular season next to Donovan Mitchell and Darius Garland. Those are three guys who can well shoot over 40% from three next to your two bigs who are very, very good. And I think a signing that's kind of getting overlooked is Georges Niang. This is a really good signing for them. He can play the three. He can realistically more so play the four. But if there's lineups that you think Evan Mobley is good as your small ball five, even though he is a five, he's a four in the size of a five's body. I do think Evan Mobley could play the five and George Niang plays the four. And then you have as much shooting around 
Evan Mobley as possible. I think Niang, he was a great teammate in Cleveland. He's a guy that brings camaraderie. He, you know, steps up for his teammates. He's a guy who's just a good locker room guy. And I do think that having a guy like that in a team that maybe last playoffs could have used that, you know, there were moments where the Knicks were kind of bullying the Cavs. Julius Randle was out bullying Mobley, out bullying Allen. Maybe you need a guy like Niang who can come in and not... I'm not going to say he's going to stop Randall, but there's a good chance that he's not going to let himself get thrown around. And I do think that every team needs some sort of enforcer like that. Now, they also did bring in Ty Jerome, who I'm actually really happy got a fully guaranteed contract. He's a guy that I do think that if push comes to shove with Ricky Rubio, who right now is slated to be their backup point guard, I think Ty Jerome can easily take that position from him. I think Ty, Ty Jerome, he's a little on the older side. You know, a lot of people like to think that just because he hasn't been on an official roster for a really long time that, oh, he's really, really young. He's actually 26. Uh, his birthday kind of just passed, so... When the contract finishes, he's going to be 27. It's a, it's only a one-year deal. But, I mean, in his limited time in Golden State last year, he shot 39% from the three. He's had now two years where he shot over 39% and two years where he shot 28. You don't really know what you're getting for him. But, I mean, for the talent that we saw from him and the minutes that he played, he was efficient. He was ball handle duties were really, really good. Low on turnovers, not as athletic, but still was able to, you know, give, you know, Golden State that really good offense that I feel like they missed from their backup point guard. I think Ricky Rubio is a tremendous player. I just think Ricky Rubio, there is a real big chance that this could be probably one of his final years in the NBA. That injury that he had in his initial stint in Cleveland really, really did, you know, sting him. I feel like it really just set him back a few. Because if we look at his stats, the year before Cleveland, where he got traded and he got injured, he was averaging 13 and 7. It's been the most he's averaged since he was in Phoenix. And then he gets injured, comes back, and he's shooting 25% from three, 34% from the field. He's averaging an alarming amount of turnovers for a guy who, you know, never really think of a guy that throws turnovers like that. I all want Ricky Rubio to be really, really good, but you cannot have him out there shooting 25% from the three and expect to win. He's 6'2". He's a little small. He's a little slower now. He's 32, going to be 33 by the time the season's already coming around. You know, you just worry about that. But I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt, and I'm going to trust ESPN, and, you know, he will be the backup point guard for now. But I can see a real world where, you know, Ty Jerome does become the backup point guard. Now, when I say backup point guard for Cleveland, does that mean I think they're going to play heavy minutes? I think the backup point guard in Cleveland plays 15 minutes max, 20 minutes max. I think they're going to want Darius Garland, Donovan Mitchell, and then especially come playoff time. I don't even think the backup point guard is really going to see any burn. Max 10 minutes, max 15 minutes for sure. Uh, Darius Garland, Donovan Mitchell will switch ball handle duties. But, I mean, yeah, I really do like the wings that they acquired this offseason. They went from just having Okoro and Levert to now having Niang, Schroots, Okoro, Levert now. They still brought back Dean Wade. I do think, you know, they have a chance to maybe add someone um, via, you know, free agency or a trade. I think that's still something they're looking for, a, a real solid wing. If they can consolidate those four wings into one really, really good guy, I think they really could think about doing that. Now, they did pick up Imani Bates with their only draft pick. He had a really, really good summer league. There were at times where, you know, his shot wasn't falling and he looked a little repetitive on the court. But a guy like Imani Bates, assuming he does pan out, he's a really nice fit next to everyone. Let's say, like, okay, best scenario for Imani Bates. A 6'8", 6'9", wing. Obviously not good on defense that much, but an adequate defender. Remember, this is best case scenario. 
this is not even year one, Imani, because I really don't think he'll get any burn. He signed to a two-way contract, so he's going to be spending some time in the G and then sometimes in the NBA. Amani Bates could really be a guy that can average 15 for you, hit a lot of threes, be a volume scorer. And I think that fits really, really well with Cleveland. I think if they can get that out of Max Schutz, it's probably the best case scenario. A guy that plays adequate defense can average, you know, 12 to 15 points per game and purely on catch and shoot threes. I think the only thing Amani Bates has going for him over guys like Schroes, Okoro, Levert, and Yang is I feel like out of all of them, he's probably the best at scoring off the dribble. I think you really got to think about it with Karis Levert. Karis Levert is a guy who could really score off the dribble. But when I think of Max Schroes, I think of a guy catch and shoot. When I think of Okoro, I think of not really a lot of offense. When I see Niang, I also see another catch and shoot guy. So when you see Imani Bates, he's easily probably the second, if not the best off the dribble wing that they have. And I can realistically see them, you know, converting his two-way contract into a fully guaranteed deal only because his offense that he can provide for a team that's defense is really solid is there. Now, they acquired Damian Jones via trade with, you know, the Utah Jazz. And I'm a big fan of Damian Jones. I was been watching him since Golden State. He went to L.A. He's been bouncing around the league. He's a really, really solid big man. He gives me a lot of JaVale McGee vibes. There have been questions about his motor, but a guy that can come in, play 10 minutes, 15 minutes a game, block a couple shots, grab rebounds. I think this is a focusly signing. I think this signing really benefits guys like Darius Garland, Donovan Mitchell, Ricky Rubio, Levert, guys that he can screen for and they'll find him. Um, Ricky Rubio, you know he's going to get you assists. Darius Garland, I mean, eight assists the game last season. I think he'll up that maybe to nine or ten. If he can average a double-double on the season, I don't see why he's not an all-star. But then again, I'm just really high on Darius Garland, so that could be that. Donovan Mitchell, again, I think he's going to be another all-star this year. I think he can make a case for being a starter. Just a high-volume scorer. I do, however, think... Cleveland had a really, really good offseason. I think they had an A-plus offseason with the resources that were given to them. Shrews, Okoro, Niang, Levert, great wing rotation. You have your two young bigs. Yvonne Mobley really needs to develop because if he can develop any sort of a three ball, they're in business probably to contender status at that point. Just because I'm that big of a believer that they're an Evan Mobley three-point shot away from being a finals contender. Right now, I do have them slated as their ceiling as the semifinals, I think they have enough to get there. I think they have the superstar in Donovan Mitchell. I think they have the second guy in Darius Garland. I think they have a defensive monster in Evan Mobley. They have the shooting around them. They have the creators around them. I think they have a really, really good squad. Now, when I say, you know, Eastern Conference Finals, I do think that a realistically seeding for them is, to, you know, the same place they were at last year, four. I think the fourth seed, maybe even the third seed is something that can really be in play for Cleveland. And that's really, really good for them. I think their floor, if everything goes wrong, no more than the seventh seed. I think that Donovan Mitchell can carry the load. I think Darius Garland can carry. I think Evan Mobley. I think Jared Allen, Karis LeVert even. You know, these are guys that can you can they can win you just regular season games in the right situations. Karis Lever was a starter averaging 20 points per game. He can win you a game in the regular season. Jared Allen was an all-star for a reason. He can win you a game. I just find it hard to believe that all four guys, you know, their four core guys missed the same amount of time. So I do think that, you know, their lowest seed is the seventh. I do think their highest seed could be as much as the third seed in the in the east. 
And I do think they match up well to a lot of other teams. I think they match up well against Philadelphia. I think they match up well against Milwaukee. I think they match up decent to Boston. I think stuff that they can't guard Boston with, Boston can't guard them with. So they're going to have trouble with Brown and Tatum. But, you know, Cleveland's going to have, but, you know, Boston's going to have trouble with Garland and Mitchell. Um, But besides that, I think, you know, it's a really, really good squad. I'm really excited to see where they're headed. And, yeah, that's kind of it for the Cleveland Cavaliers season preview. This is what happens when you have a really good offseason. You know, I don't really have any notes for you. It's just you did what you had to do. You got wings. You needed wings. You got wings. You need development from guys. You're going to hope that, you know, you see that in training camp and stuff like that. But we're too early on into the season to see if that's really come to fruition. But everything that they have problems with, they virtually you know, uh, addressed it and are able to see if it works. So that already is a plus for them. And there's not much commentating on my side, just for that plain reason. Now, let's get quickly into some NBA news. Now, the NBA, as I mentioned, this segment is just going to vary from time to time, just because, you know, it's the rough days of the NBA. Preseason schedules have been coming out. Games are going to start, you know, the first week of October, which that means we're still two months away. But, you know, these team reviews should be finishing around the time that the NBA starts. So I'm going to be really excited about that. I'm also going to be trying to incorporate now after some team reviews because of the NBA news being so low. I'm going to add like, you know, fun things like who do I predict to be MVP? Who do I predict to make all defense, all NBA, just fun stuff like that. Just so we're not strictly focusing on the depth charts of every single team, just to give you guys something to look forward to. But today we're going to be doing some NBA news because we actually do have something. Uh, Sham Sharania of The Athletic is reporting that the Heat kind of have a package available for Damian Lillard. It's centered around three to four first round picks, multiple pick swaps, a young player and a third team being involved. And that third team getting Tyler Hero and then whatever they get for Tyler Hero will be going straight to Portland. I think that's probably the best package that can be given for Lillard. Now, it's also been reported that Lillard's agent and Damian Lillard himself met with the NBA just because the NBA does not like how Lillard only wants his trade request to go to Miami. Now, I do think that is a bit unfair only because Lillard has been one of the most, if not the most, loyal guy in the NBA, whether it's his fault or not. I mean, he has. And I think that the fact that players like Anthony Davis, players like Kevin Durant, were able to say where they wanted to go and they ended up going to where they wanted to go. And for Litter to be the one to get the short end of the stick and even reports of people saying that there could be a chance of them vetoing any trade to Miami, I don't think the NBA will get that far. I just think the NBA are going to use Lillard as an example. Like, don't do this, please. You know, we don't want players controlling where they're going when they're under contract. And when you're a free agent, you can go wherever you want. Damian Lillard, if you want to sign with Miami for the veteran minimum, then go ahead, do that. You know, but I feel like they really want to crack down on it. if you sign a contract, just please oblige by it. But I do think that it's a player's league, and I think players should have a say in where they want to play because at the end of the day, they're the ones that are out there producing on the court. And if they feel like the situation they're not in, which I feel like Lillard has the complete right way to say that the situation they're in, and the way that the front office is seeing that team is not eye to eye. They're completely rebuilding. We're going to get to their episode. They're completely rebuilding. Hopefully, by the time we do their episode, Lillard is far gone by then, and we can talk about what they have and what I can expect from them. But 
yeah, I, I just think it's it's really messy. I do think ultimately this ends in Lillard being traded to Miami only because, you know, that's a really good package for Lillard. A ton of draft capital, which is kind of what you need. You're not going to want any sort of player unless you're getting a franchise-altering player in return. No one is offering that. You already have your franchise-altering player in School Henderson. Yeah, I just think that Portland is just trying to get as much as they can. And it, it's kind of making them look bad at this point, you know, because who else is the one that probably told the NBA, oh, well, Lillard only said he wants to get traded to Miami. Probably Portland. So I feel like Portland is handling this very, very wrong. I mentioned that in other episodes as well. Just their sheer lack of respect for the guy who's probably their franchise player. Super, super wrong. Very disappointed in Portland. But hopefully this all ends up working out and he ends up joining them before the start of training camp. Just so he can be there and, you know, get a couple sets in, get a couple preseason games in with them. Because, yeah, man, I want this NBA season to be really fun. And I think it has potential to be really fun. I just think that Portland is kind of delaying that right now. And I think that's a real, real scenario. Anyway, guys, I had a lot of fun, you know, doing the Cleveland Cavaliers season preview episode. Uh, We talked a lot about Cleveland. But then again, we really didn't just because I'm really, really psyched for what they did in the offseason. They brought in really good guys. So thank you guys so much for listening to this episode. We also dug into some NBA news regarding Damian Lillard. But then again, thank you guys so much for listening to this episode. I really do appreciate it. Remember, give us a five-star rating here on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Head over to the YouTube, subscribe over there. And if you view the episode, just give us a like. We see the views. We see the amount of people watching. If you want to just hit the like, that'd be very, very appreciated. We're not posting Instagram Reels. So if you guys can please, you know, post that on your social media. Hit us with a repost. We greatly, greatly would appreciate it. The more people that see the video, the better for us. Thank you guys so much, though. I really do appreciate it once again. I feel like a robot when I say that. But thank you guys so much. Peace.